Hello there. This is Dr. Anthony Mattis. Consciousness with a Jersey boy or conversations in consciousness with a Jersey boy, however you want to put it. So this is uh, going to definitely be a perfectly imperfect podcast. And uh, if you're looking for uh, something that's going to be grammatically correct, if you're looking for something that's going to be politically correct, <laughs> if you're looking for something that's going to be sort of on a surface types of conversation, um, you might as well just turn it off and go listen to someone else. <laughs> you probably won't enjoy it because this is this space that I'm creating is a space in which whoever's choosing to listen has the opportunity to actually truly be everything that they are without having a point of view, without having a judgment, without wondering what their mom and dad are going to think about it or their brothers and sisters or their church or their the temple or their religion, whatever, the professors, whoever you've deemed as an authority in your life and that do you want to make sure that you impress or don't rock the boat. So these, these podcasts are about many, many different things. And it, it's sort of like a, a platform in which I get to no longer be the boring <laughs> professional holistic chiropractor that I've been for the last 18 years. Now, a lot of people would be like, what are you talking about? I love you. You're the best chiropractor I've ever had. You know, yeah, but it's like at the same time, I, I aligned and agree with and bought the point of view that, you know, you, you must speak in a professional tone or, you know, you, you must say things this way because if you do, if you don't, then you're going to rock the boat too much and uh, you won't have any patience and all that. So I spent most of my life and career living in fear of what people are going to think if I was actually truly being me. Um, to only find out that um, at the, in the end result, <laughs> I've been very frustrated professionally for a very, very long time. And I had to look at, um, you know, a lot of the people that I admired and respected throughout my life and like radio talk show hosts or comedians or and I'm not going to mention any names because it's not it's not really relevant or even professional athletes and or um, preachers and pastors and uh, religious leaders and it was always the ones that were willing to be different that I admired and respected. It was always the ones that were willing to say something that, and they knew that it would upset the crowd. They knew that they were gonna get lots of backlash. So my hope for you in listening to these podcasts is many, many different things. Number one is never give up, never give in, and never quit. As my good friend Gary Douglas, the founder of Access Consciousness says, and, you know, and, and to provide you with some tools, at least some things to walk away with when you're done listening, because we have busy lives. We're running around like crazy, busy texting all day long, <laughs> right? I like to leave voice messages, okay? You could press a microphone button, leave a voice message. It's much more efficient that way, but people still love texting, and I think it's time-consuming, but anyway, so you'll find me going all over the place, and this is what I love about this. I'm not going to be linear here in my conversation. So for you looking for a specific format, again, um, just stop listening and go somewhere else. So I am going to be all over the place. I'm actually going to let my ADD shine here. 
<laughs> for once in my life and not make it a wrongness. Because yes, I was one of those guys that was put in special classrooms because I was not able to keep up with the class. Well, in actuality, it wasn't that I wasn't able to keep up. I was just totally bored and I couldn't see how any of that information I learned in school was relevant. Now, I have three kids. Is that how I've raised them? Absolutely not. Because I had that point of view, I struggled a lot. And um, then I had to judge myself <laughs> for not being on par with everyone else. So, uh, so as a parent, even though my kids are entirely bored in school, um, you know, they, I help to instill the value in at least learning this information, knowing that most of the information they're learning they're probably never going to use. But at least, why not master it, but also create a reality beyond this reality anyway? So, and then this way they don't have to struggle and judge themselves for not being on par because it's something that I had to work through my entire life. So where are you judging you for not being on par or being part of the program or fitting in a system or fitting within a religion or a spirituality or a practice for that matter? So anyway, this is my first podcast. I think I have an intro one that I put out there anyway and uh, my wife, Julia Soda's Access Consciousness Certified Facilitator, which is like, what is this podcast going to be about? It really truly is going to be about free form, providing you with a tool here and there that will literally transform your life and change the energy of any situation that you may be facing if you're really truly willing to look at it. Because as my good friend Gary Douglas says, you know, the, the awareness, consciousness includes everything and it judges nothing. And if you're willing to include everything, then you can get the awareness that you need and that's required to shine the light on a given circumstance. And you can change it instantly. Instantly. And to me, that's worth its price in gold. So let me give you a little bit of background of me. Uh, In the quickest nutshell that I possibly can... Uh, I was born in New York, Queens, New York. My mom was an Italian immigrant. She came uh, literally off the boat, even though she's got flaming red hair and looks as Irish as they come. She came off the boat literally with my grandmother from Italy when she was five, six years old. She still speaks Italian fluently to this day. And um, mom had me when when she was 19 years old with an older man. He's basically cheating on uh, his wife. And my mom didn't know he was married to someone else. She thought he was divorced and he had like four other kids. So anyway, out came me. <laughs> and then he basically left my mother and I when I was a month old. So I was living in Brooklyn, New York with my mother, my grandmother, and my two uncles. I spoke to my grandmother in Italian. And um, I was actually able, I spoke just as much Italian as I did English up until the time I was five. And then when my, when my grandmother died, who was pretty much my primary caretaker at that time when she died, uh, we no longer spoke in the house, so I've forgotten every bit of Italian. So tried to take it in high school, but failed, failed it. <laughs> you know why I failed it? I failed it because of the damn rules, the damn grammatic rules. Now, if you're a grammarian, listen to this call. If you're an English major, I am sorry. I have a lot of respect for you. And, you know, but I don't know the rules of the English language. I'm not bragging about it, but I'm not going to be ashamed about it anymore either. Okay. The bottom line is I can communicate. (laughs) I can get my point across. 
all right? And people know what I'm saying when I say it. I may not know what a dangling participle is, but I'm okay with that, okay? I may not put uh, a noun in the appropriate place or an adjective or an adverb, uh, you know, whatever. The bottom line is when I speak, you're going to know what I'm saying and it's going to create something in your universe. You might be, get pissed at me. <laughs> you might love me. You may want to make love to me. <laughs> you might want to punch me in the face. Uh, you may cry. So any of those things that I know that I've done my job and I've communicated something that created something in your universe. And hopefully at the end of the day, it's to uh, create more possibilities for you, your life, your living, your family, and whoever else you want to share it with. So anyway, that's another ADD moment. So, um, so here I am living in Brooklyn, New York with an attitude. I had a mouth, filthy mouth. By the age of five, hanging out on peop- the hoods of people's cars parked in the street, throwing a little, you know, this pink rubber ball against the stoop, pain stoop ball, and uh, watching people's Converse, canvas Converse sneakers dangling from the telephone wires in the streets of Brooklyn, New York. And remember seeing, as, as my household pet, many cockroaches running around everywhere. So I remembered eight locks being on our front door. Mom says there was only four. I don't know. Seemed like, you know, we had to use a lot of locks because of just in case, you know. So I don't remember it being uh, so great of a neighborhood. But my mom says, oh, no, we were middle class. Well, my point of view is definitely below middle class, especially when there's uh, five of us or four of us living in a tiny ass apartment. So my grandmother, I called her Noni. She worked in a sewing factory making minimum wage and uh, stroked out by the time she was 52 years old. And that was like my first traumatic experience with death. Tried to start seeking higher truths at the age of five. So I started asking my mom, you know, about life after death, what happens when you die, all that stuff. So we were pretty much non-practicing Catholics. But, uh, but the, answer, the only answer she gave me were, uh, I guess, the, the crap that she learned in... Um, in school with all the nuns. She went to like a private school with a bunch of nuns that basically uh, destroyed her confidence and self-esteem and told my mother that the only thing she'll ever be good at is creating things like sewing and uh, crocheting and that sort of thing. So my mother bought that hook, line, and sinker and always considered herself dumb. So way to go, nuns. Thank you very much in the name of God, right? So anyway, I'm sure they were doing their best. So here I am. Uh, so if I offended anybody, like I said, this is not going to be politically correct. This is, you know, consciousness from a Jersey boy. This is, uh, you know, people representing God. I'm sorry. They shouldn't be crushing people's worlds. They should be expanding people's worlds. From That's my point of view. So if you don't align agree with that point of view, then again, please delete the call. Uh, move on and you can listen to another motivational speaker who says all the right things all the time. It's not going to be me. Um, For once, yay, (laughs) the freedom in this. Anyway, so, you know, uh, mom was running around with a chicken around her head. My grandmother finally strokes out, decides to check out at the age of 52. Uh, I had an uncle who was an asshole, uh, very abusive verbally and physically at times, and I had another uncle who is one of the kindest beings that I ever met, and I completely loved him and adored him, and 
Um, I'll never forget this one time when, you know, he was the, the, the other uncle, the asshole uncle, was always beating the shit out of the other uncle, you know, brotherly love. But it was unkind. There was a lot of anger there. So as a five-year-old, I'm not a large man. I was never a big guy. I was always very, 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 very small. Probably because I probably didn't want to be noticed, but interesting choice because I chose to have beautiful flaming red hair as well. <laughs> so how can you not be noticed? So anyway, I decided to jump on my uncle to protect my other uncle. And so what does the asshole uncle do? He decides to bite me really hard in the ass and spank me. So then I go running to my grandmother, who's still alive at the time, crying and screaming. She couldn't handle it. So she decided to take both of her hands and basically smack me on both sides of my ears. And I got to hear this beautiful ringing sound in my ear. And I couldn't understand why I would be hit for trying to protect my uncle, my younger uncle, from the asshole uncle. So, anyway, that, you know, was like, okay, that's interesting. And it was awesome because my very good friend, Dr. Dane here, just last year said to me, do you realize how potent you are? How potent that little boy was? I'm going to start crying just thinking about it. And I'm like, no. He's like, you know how much balls it took you to try to protect your uncle from the bully uncle and I'd never looked at it that way and I'm like no and he's like you need to acknowledge that level of potency so for all you people all you women all you men who've been physically abused molested now there are people that had it way worse than me okay way worse than me and I can't imagine what what some of you have been through but acknowledge the level of potency that you had to stand in the gap of that abuse. To keep that abuse from maybe perpetuating to the next person. How many of you listen to this podcast are healers? How many of you out there are sexual healers? Okay. Now what's a sexual healer? What the hell does that mean? Sexual healer are, for those of you who are always finding broken people to have as your partner, whether they're addicts, abusive, whatever, and you kind of got this point of view as if you love them enough, they'll change. Sexual healer, if I make love to them enough and show them the stars, it'll heal their wounds and it'll make them love me in all the ways I know is possible. Sexual healer. So all you insane codependents out there, <laughs> most of you are sexual healers. All of you who keep finding yourselves in abusive relationships, sexual healers. So cute, but not bright. Not your best choice. So hopefully, these podcasts that are coming up will begin to empower you to, number one, acknowledge your, you for the potency that you are. Acknowledge you for the gifts that you have. Now, I know some of you have been abused for so long and some of you have been living other people's realities for so long that you can't even remember what your gifts, capacities, and talents are. Well, I'm inviting you to remember. And I don't care if it's something as simple as, you know, I don't know, the fact that you're kind to people. 
That's a gift and a capacity. And how can you use it to your advantage, not as a doormat? Would you be willing to start acknowledging your gifts and capacities on a daily basis? Keep a gratitude journal next to your bed. And before you go to bed, say three things that you're grateful for about that day. But also say three things that you're grateful for about you. Acknowledge you. And it doesn't have to be this big thing like, oh, I wrote a book today. (laughs) It could be. Or I wrote the chapter in the book. Or, you know, I went to work and I made a lot of money. It could be something small like, you know, I smiled at this asshole. And he actually smiled back at me. I actually saw an angry man smile because I was willing to lower my barriers and smile at them. Acknowledge you. Because when you begin to acknowledge you, whether in the little things, then you'll start to become aware of the bigger things that you're capable of being and doing and contributing to this world. See, I have a strong point of view that inside every single one of us are talents, abilities, capacities, potencies that we came in with. And that when we're not acknowledging them, when we're not utilizing them, it's like all these energetic gifts stay dormant. But they're never at rest, but yet they're dormant. And when they're dormant, it's like all this stored potential energy gets locked up in your body, and then it starts to wreak havoc. It can start to change the molecular structures of a healthy cell into an unhealthy cell. So I'm inviting you, so it could lead to things like depression, neck pain, back pain, ulcers, shitty sex life. Listen, guys, we have bodies. Enjoy them. Enjoy them. We're meant to enjoy our lives and our bodies. We've made sex and copulation wrong, forbidden. We've judged the hell out of our bodies. My God. And we've let other people judge our bodies. But what I'm inviting you to is to have more of you. To have more of you. To perceive, know, be, and receive your capacities in all ways. To be able to contribute not only to this world, but what would it take for you to allow the world or the universe to contribute to you? See, we think contribution just means what we can contribute to the planet, to God, to the universe, whatever. No. Contribution is what are you willing to receive? What are you willing to receive? Are you willing to receive someone lusting you from across a crowded room? Can you receive money? Can you receive large sums of money? Can you receive from people who are transgenders? Can you receive from people who are gay? Can you receive from people who are straight? 
can you receive from people who are addicts, from criminals? When you're willing to have no point of view and receive all energies, the whole universe begins to open up to you. Now, it doesn't mean you go run around with people who are going to kill you. All right? Use your head. Use your awareness. Not your head, your awareness. <laughs> we use our heads too much. And not always the one on top of our heads if you're a guy. So, so here I am, a little, little kid in Brooklyn, New York. Go to school in elementary school. They start making me look at these little, uh, these big white pieces of cardboard paper with like ink blotches splattered on them. And they're like, what do you see? And I'm like, it looks like someone took a bucket of paint and threw it on that piece of paper. And I'm like, oh, this asshole wants me to like use my imagination. Okay. And then I would start getting into all these different things and whatever. You know, so God knows, I don't know if I passed those tests or not, but I ended up being in all the remedial classes growing up. And uh, gosh, you know, where do I begin? It's, it, it, it's unbelievable. It, it's like it, my whole life felt like I was behind the eight ball. My whole life. You know, I was always in remedial classes. I was always the smallest guy in class. And now, now luckily, I was very good looking. I was attractive. Thank God I was a, you know, I was a good athlete. I was able to play sports. So that was like sort of the one thing that actually kept me from <laughs> probably wanting to kill myself because at least I had a, you know, a couple of things going for me at the time. And I, I loved to play. I loved moving my body. I loved running around and being free outside. I just, I loved the earth. I loved everything about the earth. And so, so I hear, here I am. So we're growing up and then all of a sudden going through puberty, right? And I was a late bloomer, and I'm watching all my friends developing, having these man bodies. And I'm like, where the hell's my pubic hair, you know? And it's like, man, and all of a sudden, like, what was the one thing that was working out in my life, which was sports, athletic, being a great athlete, making all-stars. All of a sudden, everybody starts going through puberty, having man bodies. And it was like, wow, I wasn't keeping up physically. Everybody got bigger and stronger. And so I'm like, oh, my God. So sports started to like not have any value anymore because I wasn't the valuable product anymore in athletics, you know? So then like, you know, people would stop my mother on the street and be like, oh, you got, wow, he, your son's got a unique look to him. You should get him into modeling and da 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 and, and of course my mother, you know, being very, very, very insecure and, you know, I was sort of like her trophy child, you know, and She's like, yes, we're going to do that. I'm going to take you into New York City, and we're going to do that. And lo and behold, we did it. And uh, this, this modeling agency, acting agency, they accepted me. I signed a contract, and I was miserable. They wanted me to comb my hair to the side. And back in the 80s, man, you know, it was cool to have your hair parted down the middle, feathered to the side. I mean, that was the look, you know. But I was so damn insecure that if I didn't fit in, I wasn't going to comb my hair to the side and look like Ricky Schroeder from Silver Spoons. Now, I'm dating myself. So for those of you who didn't grow up in age, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But you can Google it. Ricky Schroeder's Silver Spoons. You know, they wanted me to comb my hair and do, to the side and do all that. And I wasn't going to do that and go back to school and be abused by my friends. Now, people in New Jersey can be kind of tough. You know, they say what the, what's on their mind. It's not like I live in the South now. It's not like in the South where they're like, bless your heart. You know, and then they talk about you behind your back. You know, in New Jersey, they'll talk about you right in front of your face. You know, it's like, that's, you know, the good and the bad thing about being from New York or New Jersey is like, you know, they'll be like, you know, nice haircut, you idiot. You know, 
you homo, you know, it's like, that's how your friends talk to you when you're from New Jersey, you know, nice friends, right? So anyway, uh, I was so damn insecure in myself that uh, I wasn't going to change my hairstyle. So when my mother would take me into the city and I'd get all these, they call them go-sees, you know, try out for these commercials or try out for these clothes. I was an asshole. I did everything to sabotage the whole damn thing. Everything. Plus my mother forced it down my throat too, which didn't make it easy. Now, I have this amazing son. I have all well, two amazing sons and a beautiful daughter. And they're all three of them are, are entertainers. And, um, you know, they're not shy in front of the camera. They'll change their hair. They'll, you know, my sons will get mohawks or they'll grow their hair down to their ass. They don't care what anybody thinks about them. And I am so grateful because, you know, you know what? I am going to take credit for that because I created the space. You know, I didn't call them sissies. I didn't make them feel weird because they moved their body in a certain way that may have been feminine, you know, and out of fear that they might turn gay if they grow up. I actually created space for them to be who they are. And my boys and my daughter are like the most confident people that I've ever met. They can stand up in front of a crowd of 200 people and ask a question and I'm still sweating my balls off to talk in front of a whole bunch of people to this day. You know, and they have no problem doing it because of the space I created as a parent for them. So, yeah, I am going to pat myself. I am going to acknowledge me for that. You know, so what would it take for you to create the space for you? What would it take for me to create that space for me? And I'm doing that. And I'm doing that. And it's beautiful. If you have children, what would it take for you to create the space and create a different environment for your children that you were provided with? Okay? So, so, so I sabotaged that career. I got fired from the agency. Make a long story short. So here I am growing older, playing sports in high school. Everybody's developed. I'm not developed. I'm totally late bloomer and blah, blah, blah. Then I started liking girls and, you know, made sure that the first time I lose my virginity is going to be with someone I love. And I did. And I held out. It was awesome. And man, as soon as I slid that thing in there, man, I saw fireworks man if you if you watch the Brady Bunch I don't know if you remember Bobby Brady when he kissed Millicent and he saw fireworks well man (laughs) oh my god you could feel those brain chemicals going off and it was like brain chemicals that you never felt go off ever until that moment boy and I was in love so I dated this girl for two years my whole junior and senior year boy and I was in love the only thing I ever thought about was sliding my penis inside that vagina with someone that I loved and we would look into each other's eyes and we tried to orgasm at the same time so we could have this amazing communion. It was beautiful. I dropped all my guy friends, never hung out with them. All I cared about was my football career, which was very limited in high school, man. All I did was have sex with the girl that I loved, played my sport and did shitty in school. You know, cute but not bright. So, fast forward. Finally go to my guidance counselor. Like, you need to take me out of the retard room. I I don't think I'm dumb anymore. (laughs) I'm going to try to do normal classes. And they were like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I guarantee you I'll do better in these these regular classes than I do in the retard classes. And and for those of you who have children that may be mentally handicapped, if the word retard offends you, I apologize. I did say at the beginning of this call that I'm not going to be politically correct. Um, but 
those were the voices. I'm saying this out loud because that's how I talked to myself inside. Those were the judgments that I projected on me. I felt retarded. The school system made me feel retarded. Okay? And so I apologize to all of you uh, who, who may have children that, that are, are handicapped, truly handicapped, and, and are slow. And um, I'm not trying to be offensive, but I'm trying to be clear about really the inner demons that went on in my world and really the demons in other people. Kids were cruel. Kids would be like, oh, you're going into the retard room. I mean, they would say that to me. So I would wait for all the kids to go into their classrooms before anybody could see me go into room 12 because everybody knew room 12 as the retard room. So needless to say, I had a lot of anger, a lot of insecurities, but I had love, <laughs> right? So anyway, I had so much love, romantic love, that I didn't create anywhere else in my life. I stopped creating my life. This is the only thing I could think about day in and day out. So, senior year comes, everybody's going to college. I'm not going to college. I have to take these SATs. I had absolutely zero foundation in math, zero foundation in English. I couldn't write. I still don't like writing till this day. I have to, you know, thank God Julia's around because she, she's an amazing writer. I'm like, I'll write it. And I'm like, can you edit this? <laughs> All right. Because those things that they stick you with in school, man, they, it's like, it can crush you. It can crush you. But what would it take to outcreate the projections? What would it take to outcreate the stigmas? What would it create to out what would it take to outcreate the words of being called retarded or slow or small or not good enough, not pretty enough, not handsome enough, not tall enough, whatever. That's why it's important for you to acknowledge every day something about you that you're grateful for. So fast forward, they put me out. I finally get into the regular classes, and guess what? I got better grades. And but everybody's going to college, taking SATs. I got the kind of scores on my SATs that you get for just putting your name on it. <laughs> okay, I basically scored the same scores that like inner city uh, kids would get. And I was ashamed because that's what they said had value. Now, my dad was a Wall Street guy. He never was a student. This is my second dad who raised me. His uncle got him a job. My dad made lots of money. My mom remarried when I was like six years old. She met this Wall Street guy. We got out of the hood in, New, uh, in, in Brooklyn and we moved into the suburbs of New Jersey. So, um, you know, I looked the part, but wasn't definitely the part at all. Uh, everybody was um, spoke intelligently. Uh, nobody cursed the way that I did. <laughs> People certainly didn't have to go to the retard room except for me and like three other kids. And, um, you know, I didn't feel like I fit in. And so, but mom married this Wall Street guy who had a lot of money. He was my dad. He showed me how to throw a football, you know. Um, but he was only around for five years and divorced my mom because he couldn't handle it. <laughs> and, uh, but supported us financially. And I'm very grateful because he showed me a different possibility with regards to economics. He showed me, showed me a different possibility with regard to poverty. Uh, not poverty, but 
not having to live in poverty because mom had poverty concepts and I definitely mimicked a lot of things from her. But I would always see how my dad would function. So I always knew that there was something else that was possible with regards to money. Unfortunately, I didn't have any of his points of view. I had a lot of my mom's points of view about getting by. About It's got to be about blood, sweat, and tears. You know, get a job with benefits. So when it came down to, co- to college, my mom's like, what are you going to go to college for? Why don't you go drive a truck? And I'm like, I don't want to fucking drive a truck. I want to go to college like my, my friends. She's like, yeah, but you don't have the grades. I'm like, I know. So, so that gets me a job on Wall Street to be like a gopher and a runner. But I'm like, I don't want to fucking do this. So I said no. So I'm like, I didn't know how to fix anything. So I wasn't going to be a mechanic or like a carpenter or anything like that. I didn't really like that stuff anyway. And I didn't know how to do it. My dad didn't, you know, my dad always paid people to do that sort of thing. So I didn't even, never changed a flat tire in my life. So I was like really lost. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? You know, you got certain kids going, they're going to go do a trade and then you get the other kids going to college. And I was like, in no man's land, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to community college. Went to meet community college. I got tutors when I needed to get tutors. Uh, you know, it's crazy. Scored, scored like below, <laughs> like two levels below high school for English and math. So it's like I had to take like, you know, remedial math and remedial English in community college before I could finally take regular college level entry stuff. So again, just sort of like reaffirming my judgments and my insecurities about how smart or how not smart I was, right? But, you know, I had never give up, never give in, never quit. I I was going to prove them wrong. I was going to prove them wrong that I wasn't an idiot. So I got A's and B's in community college somehow and I got tutors when I needed to. And I'll never forget this wonderful guy John Keenan, my senior year in high school, he's like, where are you going to go to college? And I was like, I'm too dumb to get in college. He's like, don't you say that. He's like, you go to community college, you get the grades, and I'll help you get into Springfield College in Massachusetts. He's like, what do you want to study? I'm like, well, I really love learning about the body and this, that, and the other things. Like, Great, we have a great program. It's a health and fitness major. He's like, you get your grades at community college, and I'll get you in. And I did. It's exactly what I did. I went to Springfield College in Massachusetts, and I, I was on this quest to prove everybody wrong that I wasn't an idiot. So I go to college. I got decent grades, A's, B's, C's, you know, whatever. And junior year, I realized that my major was really not going to qualify me to do much of anything. <laughs> I started working in gyms when I was 16 years old. And mm, it was just basically a four-year degree to be a glorified personal trainer. But what it did show me was I was able to do college, which was pretty cool. But then I'm like, shit, I spent all this money on something that doesn't really qualify me to do anything more than what I was already doing when I was 17 years old working in a gym. So I was kind of bummed about that. And then once again, I fell in love during this time. And I was in a serious, committed relationship. And I was in love with this amazing girl who I can trust. Because, man, I was one jealous, redheaded, Italian, Puerto Rican guy from Jersey. Man, if someone looked at my girl, if my girl looked at someone and admired them, boy, did I go off the deep handle. If you want to get an idea of the energy of it, see the movie Scarface with Al Pacino. <laughs> when Al Pacino got jealous when his sister was dancing with his best friend and all the crazy music goes on. That was me. And I still got a lot of that in me, but thank God for the tools of access and <laughs> consciousness. Uh, you know, that has changed a lot because it's, that's not a fun way of being. Golly, God, there's so much, so many places we can go 
with this phone call conversation or this, this call. So anyway, graduated from my undergrad, worked in gyms more, definitely perpetuated my anger and my low self-esteem. Then I get into the life insurance business, which perpetuated my rejection, feeling like a loser even more. Here I am, 22. I look like I'm 14 years old, trying to sell people life insurance. Uh, Miserable and unhappy. Um, And then I'm like, fuck it. Uh, I'm going to chiropractic school. I was great with my hands. People encouraged me while I was an undergrad, but I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to leave my girl. So I'm with my girl for four years. I'm bored. And she knew it, and she wanted me to go to upstate New York. And I'm like, hell no, I'm going where I can party. And that was in Atlanta, Georgia. It's where the 1996 Olympics came. Uh, and so we broke up because she knew I was going down there to party and sow my oats. And <laughs> I tried to get her back, but she didn't want to take me back. And so here I am in Atlanta, Georgia, in chiropractic school. And I was like, wow, these are my people. Like people who are into the body, people who are into touching the body to create healing. And I was like, all right, now I'm on to something. And it was awesome. Some of the best years of my life was in chiropractic school, Life University. And it was just amazing to look like it just the energy of it matched my being. And I'm like, yeah. So I graduated, partied a lot. I needed to get out of there. <laughs> I had fun this time around. Undergrad, I didn't have too much fun because I thought I was too dumb to, to pass, so I needed to be focused and serious. And then when I went to chiropractic school, I definitely loosened up a little bit. Once again, got distracted with the whole female thing, big time. Fell in love probably numerous times, even with women who had no interest in me, and got completely distracted, chasing the golden vagina, and, uh, you know, you know, uh, letting my grades be, you know, neglecting my grades and um, definitely having some regret about that because I, when I, when I, by the time I graduated, I could have been way further along with my confidence as a healer, my confidence as a business person, my confidence to, to start a business from scratch and um, change people's lives. But instead, when I graduated, I, I was angry with myself from all the partying that I did and uh, had this huge open hole and void to find this magical woman who would um, change my life or not change my life but like add to my life and complete me so and you know all in all and I was trying to find Mr. Miyagi the, my Mr. Miyagi chiropractor to train me and take me under their wing and to teach me how to run the business and, and all that. But, you know, so I drove up and down from Southern California to Northern California and I'm like, everybody's a whack job. I didn't find that magical Mr. Miyagi guy. I know who that person is because that person's in my life now, but, um, couldn't find him as a chiropractor. So came back, went on vacation, met this girl who was hot, who actually liked me. So it just completely filled a void from the last relationship that I got abused in. Not her fault. Totally my fault. I was an idiot once again. And uh, someone gorgeous liked me. And so I went for it and uh, moved. And I'm still here to this day to the low country of South Carolina and convinced my dad to let me borrow some money 
to open up a chiropractic practice and uh, opened up this practice with this woman who was a massage therapist. Needless to say, it was insane. Didn't work out. Then I'm trying to find my ticket out of here. Then I meet my late wife nine months later. She was, this time she was all over me. Uh, and I'm like, look, I'm trying to figure out how to get out of here. I need to get money in my pocket. I can't pay my bills. <laughs> I have all this chiropractic debt and I need to get out of here. And she had this beautiful eight month old boy who I totally bonded with instantly. And I knew the minute I held him that I was going to be his father. The minute I held him, he looked at me and he was like, you're going to be my dad. And so here I am trying to get out of here because I need to take my career seriously and as a priority. But I didn't know where to go. So I meet this beautiful blonde woman with big blue eyes who is smart, a genius, talented, actress, musician, you name it. And she's like, I have bipolar. (laughs) And I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like, well, why don't you come to my workshop? Because we're going to talk about the laws of the body, mind, and soul. And I can, we can fix that. She's like, I like that idea. And I'm like, good, come, bring your son. So she comes. And I'm like, do I want to date her or do I want to try to fix her? Maybe I'll do both. Cute, but not bright. So we get together and fall in love and it was great she was sane sober and stable for a while until she wasn't and we have a baby that's my second son and we get married and you know and then I get to deal with mental illness what a joy (laughs) get custody of the boys she goes on a rampage I'm like what the fuck then I finally was like okay now I know I'm insane with regards to relationships totally and completely insane and this has to change. <laughs> and so I have to decide if I'm going to live like this for the rest of my life. I, got, I have two children at this point, And one's three and a half. The other one's like 19 months old. And I have this amazing woman who is possessed <laughs> with this thing that this reality calls mental illness. And I'm like doing the most awful things. So here I am living alone with my sons. Crying on my knees, praying to God. So, just to backtrack a little bit, here I am doing all these metaphysical studies, all this, uh, all this new age breath work, all this, you know, um, meditation, you know, you name it, you know, anything to 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 seek these. Man, I was so spiritually vain; it was pathetic. So spiritually vain, boy. I thought I had all the answers and was on the right track and all that stuff. And then this happens, blows up in my face. Boy, did it humble my ass. And I'm like, okay, so let's go get a guru from India. I decide to take her back. We're raising the kids together. The guru from India was like, oh, your wife is crazy. I'm like, what the fuck is that kind of a thing for a guru to say? So then we decided to do the Christian thing. We become non-denominational Christians, spoken tongues, laid on hand hands on people to heal, and she's sane, stable, and sober for five and a half years. Our marriage is restored. Then we have another baby, a beautiful baby girl, and it was amazing, and then one day it wasn't amazing again. 
And just to fast forward to spare you the details, you can listen to like on my YouTube videos, more details about that. Um, she decides to kill herself. And so now I'm a single dad with a 10-year-old, 8-year-old, and a 2.5-year-old. I'm like, okay, WTF here. WTF. And I'm a chiropractor, great chiropractor, but practice never really achieved anything beyond, you know, mediocrity with regards to, you know, uh, finances. But you know what? I need to acknowledge what I did create because I did start a practice from scratch. Didn't know what the hell I was doing and did it in an area that I didn't really want to live in. <laughs> it's amazing I was able to feed my family. So she's late wife's dead. Here I am. What the hell am I going to do now? Um, I'm insane when it comes to women and I'm alone. And I'm like, I know I get a do-over with regards to the whole woman thing, but my kids will never get a mom, their mom back, and I have to take on my kids' pain as well. So here I am grieving nine months later, and this thing called the bars pops up in an email. And I'm like, oh, Christ, here we go, another friggin' technique. The ball, what is this? And it talks about these 32 points on the head. If you gently touch them, these will get so deep, so deep, to those limitations and begin to unravel them so that you can finally have the space and create the life that you know is possible. Because by that point, I was like, okay, my life really sucks. Even before she died, I always knew I was suffering from like a low-grade chronic depression. And I'm like, even if that suicide didn't happen, I'm like, man, I've done every technique under the sun. I've talked to social workers, clinical social workers and psychologists and all that. Man, they loved me because I was like an open book. And I'm like, but my life wasn't fucking ever changing. It wasn't changing. It wasn't getting better. I'm like, what the fuck? So I knew something needed to change. Not on a deep level, but I knew something needed to change somewhere else, like energetically. So something told me I had all these Christian points of view about don't do it, don't do it. You're going to go to hell. It's another technique that's out of the box. Oh, which by the way, I forgot to mention that the church that I went to was like accusing me for like opening up the door to the devil because I, you know, because as a holistic chiropractor, I'm studying all these variety of techniques that are not Christian. And of course they think that's the devil. And that's why my wife got sick and decided to kill herself because I, I invited the devil back into our home because I was studying all these energy techniques, right? Real nice, right? Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> You know, some of them apologized once she killed herself and realized that, no, it wasn't me. She was actually getting sick long before I was studying any of those techniques. And uh, so that was a whole nother fucking story. We'll do a podcast just for that one. I'm trying to give you guys an overview of my story so you can understand, hey, never give up, never quit, never give in, you guys. Because no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've been through, there's something else that's greater. Now... Sometimes there are things that are in the way of helping you to get there or be there, okay? And they're beyond your cognitive understanding. They're beyond your cognitive awareness. It doesn't matter if you have the best shrink in the world. It doesn't matter if you read the best motivational book in the world. None of that shit's going to matter until you change it on an energetic level. And that energetic level is not just in the subconscious mind, okay? Yeah, that's part of it, man. But that's just like surface level one and two, man. 
these tools were to access consciousness. When I finally started to get my bars ran, I watched the profound impact it had on my children. I'm like, okay, I'm coming back just for them because I didn't see any results at first. But my fifth bar session, I thought I was going to barf my brains out. My head was spinning. And I woke up the next day and I felt like God gave me a brand new brain. And I'm like, okay, that's when I knew. I knew that there was something powerful about this work. So I'm like, I got to keep going. I don't know why, but I got to keep going. And I did. And magic started showing up in my life. Fucking magic. Communion with the earth. And I realized that these tools with Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas, the creator, and Dr. Dane here, the co-creator, I knew. I was like, I'm walking back from facilitators and I got on my knee, I felt on my knees and I just started crying with gratitude. And I started to experience the magic of the earth. The blade, the bl one blade of grass was pulsating towards me. The flowers, the trees, the animals. Nothing bothered me and I'm like, whoa. There's magic in this work. There's communion in this work. So I knew this work was more, more, more than just getting you through the drama and trauma of your shit. But you could actually have communion. You could have, actually have oneness. So I knew in that moment, I had this point of view that, like, well, you know, Gary's sort of like in his later years. <laughs> I need to be around this man as much as I possibly can. And so I went to a class, and I couldn't afford to go to the class, but I went anyway. Two months after facilitators, I didn't need to go to that class. Okay, I could have waited six months, eight months before I took that class, but I went. Two months later, drove seven hours with the kids, and we went. And uh, Dr. Dane here asked me, he's like, hey, man, he's like, would you work on me, chiropractic? I'm like, yeah, sure, so I did. So, And then, then uh, it was the end of the fourth day, and then Gary Douglas says, I saw you working on Dane. He's like, you any good? I'm like, I don't know. I guess it depends on who you ask, you know? He's like, would you mind working on me? And I'm like, ooh. Uh, and the, the old me would have been like making an excuse why not to go because I couldn't possibly contribute to this guy. I couldn't possibly contribute to this guy. But this other voice in me said, shut the fuck up. Get your ass up there, even if you make an ass out of yourself. And I did. I'm like, uh, okay. So here I am thinking, this, 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 this older man, I'm like, he doesn't want chiropractic. Thank God Dane was in the room. And I'm like, Dane, does Gary want chiropractic? And he's like, no. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? He's like, you'll figure it out. I'm like, Ooh, I knew you were going to say that. So I lay my hands on Gary. And his body jumped like three inches off the table. He goes, oh. I'm like, are you okay that I hurt you? And all I did was lay my hands on him. He's like, yeah. He's like, you just shot a lightning bolt through me. I'm like, I did. I'm like, I'm sorry. He's like, no, it was awesome. And he yells out to Dane. He's like, hey, Dane. He's like, we just found someone who's got similar capacities as you. And Dane's like, I want to turn. So Gary tells me to go stand at different places in the room and start moving my fingers. And Gary's body was moving around all over the place. And then Dane has a turn and Gary tells me where to stand in the room and put my hands in the air and start wiggling my fingers. And Dane's body starts moving. Gary goes, you're the first person in 15 years who's been able to create this effect in his body. 
He's like, we would like you to start doing sessions in class. I just about shit in my pants. My first thought, okay, now keep in mind, insecure, jealous Anthony, uh, feeling like he's retarded, okay, my whole life, less than, my whole life. And these guys are telling me that I got something that's special? You know what the first thing I thought? The first thing I thought was, there's not, in a class of 100 people in Access Consciousness, there's like 80 women and 20 guys. And I'm like, these guys are pulling my leg. They just need more dudes to come to class. That's the first thing I thought. I wasn't acknowledging what they were perceiving. And so they invited me to do sessions in class. And it was like, for the first time in my life, on an energetic level, I tapped into this world. I'm going to cry here. I accessed this world that's beyond this reality. I accessed this, I don't know what you want to call it, a dimension, a reality that's beyond this reality that's presented to you in fucking school or at certain jobs or in certain institutions. But it was a space of magic. It was a space where possibility exists. It was a space where nothing is solid. Nothing is real and nothing is permanent. And it was beautiful. It was like all the colors were heightened. It was like all I could see was fluorescent colors. I felt like I was in Florida or something. And Gary calls me the next day, man. I'm in like this beyond, like, whoa, this, did this just happen? It's like the moment I've been waiting for my whole life. Like, so I was looking for someone to be like, you got something. And we can help you expand upon that. And that's what the Tools of Access Consciousness does. It helps people expand upon the gifts, the capacities, and the talents that they got inside of them. It opens up doorways to possibilities. So, if you listen to this, (laughs) it's supposed to be 30 minutes, but if you listen to this, God bless you. I'm grateful. I hope it was helpful. And stay tuned for more because I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm creating with these podcasts. Uh, Maybe it's just for me. I don't know. But I know there's somebody out there if, if one person hears this and it changes your reality, then I'm a success. That this podcast was successful. So the main theme of today was never give up, never give in, never quit. The words of Gary Douglas, founder of Access Consciousness. So I love you. I adore you. The universe has your back. Peace out.